was, um, when I was um, Callahan's age, nah, when I was, well, I mean, when I was, uh, when I was Lyndon's age, I remember going to church and they had testimony service. And testimony service was um, just... We used to, you young people don't know what, know what I'm talking about, but some of you folks my age or maybe just a little younger, you know what I'm talking about. The way we used to do service was completely different. Um, very laid back, very, um, nothing was, for the most part, not very much was planned. Um, you didn't know what songs you were singing. Now we have all these systems, and they're good systems, and I'm thankful for them. I think we need to be organized uh, as long as the, the Lord's okay with that. And when he moves, we just throw the, the uh, organization aside and go with whatever he wants. But now we have our singers know what songs we're singing days in advance on an app. They, get, they just they look at the apps, and Sister Barrow sends it out. Um, when I was younger, we would come to church, and the pastor would get up and greet everybody, and he would look around and might have a song leader that's, that led every service, but some churches not. They would just say, Sister D, come up and lead song service. What would you say to that? Yeah, and that's what a lot of them would say that. No, not me. And if you got a real persistent pastor, they'd argue it until they'd get you up here to lead songs. And you came up with a song book, and you just stood there and said, anybody got a number? <laughs> and somebody would say, yeah, let's sing 311, or let's sing 110, whatever. And you'd open your books, and you'd sing, and then after you sang, maybe three or four songs. Um, and you might, sing, you might sing some of those verses three or four times. Um, and you may not always know who's going to be playing the music. You might get there and say, Sister Ashley, you come up, can you play the uh, piano tonight? And then after you did that, you'd pray, and uh, we prayed. We prayed for a while. And then you'd, the pastor would look around and say, uh, Justin, why don't you come up and lead testimony service? Everybody remember testimony services? And, and Justin would say, oh, no, I'm just, I got, my throat's kind of my knee. And the pastor would say, get up here and lead testimony service. So he'd come up here. He didn't want to be up here, but he'd come up here and say, who's got a testimony? And you would just wait until somebody stood up. How many of you remember what I'm talking about? Testimony services. And a good testimony service could last an hour, maybe longer, because you had some people that didn't understand testimony service. It was, uh, they were going to tell you about their whole week, everything that went wrong that week, the devil's been after them, and this is how. And, um, and then you had some people that didn't want to testify, so the, so the testimony leader would say, everybody's going to testify now, so everybody's going to. So the young people would stand up and say, I think the Lord for everything's done for me, and they'd sit back down. I think the Lord for the Holy Ghost would sit back down. That was testimony service. We got away from that. Um, in most churches, they don't do that much anymore. Um, but we, we lost something a little bit with that because... Um, we overcome by the word of our testimony. I think we need to think more about testimonies. Maybe not as part of the service where we have people stand up and give their testimonies. But when somebody has a testimony, like the Lord's really done something for them this week. I don't mean you got to sit there and try to think of what can I say. But if God's done something for you, you need to share that. Whether it's in front of the church, and that's not comfortable for everybody to do. But the Lord opens doors, opportunities for you to share 
your testimony. Um, and, and by the way, that scripture that says we overcome by the word of our testimony, it doesn't, it doesn't mean because you stood up in testimony service and shared your testimony in church that you were an overcomer. It meant that be, be, your, tes, your testimony, <coughs> your victory, and your rehearsing that and holding on to that, remembering what the Lord has done for you, causes you, thrusts you, it propels you into further victory. We overcome. Uh, because of what the Lord's done for me in the past, I overcome today and I'm going to overcome tomorrow because of what he's done for me in the past. And I can't forget what God's done for me. Does anybody want to stand up and share just for a moment? Now, I'm not giving, this is not open mic. This is not uh, stand up and preach for an hour. But maybe you've got a testimony. Maybe you'd just like to tell what the Lord's done for you. This is Thanksgiving week. And if somebody would have a testimony on your heart, we'd want to open, open the, you don't have to come up here. You can stand where you are. Maybe the Lord's blessed you this past year with a, with a child, maybe. They just had a birthday, you know, recently or something. And you had a baby in the middle of COVID and your name's Zach. And you want to stand up and say, I just want to thank the Lord. Something like, I don't know, I'm just randomly saying something like that. I don't know if that describes anybody or not. Maybe some, maybe some of you had COVID. You were in the hospital and you, they, you could have died and you were, you know, and, and you made it through and, and your name's Ann. And you just want to say, you know, I could have died, but the Lord saw me through uh, and, and saw me through COVID, you know. So maybe if there's anybody here that wants to just stand and praise the Lord, we give you an opportunity to do that right now. I really am calling you out, Zach. Stand and testify, brother. My Lord, have mercy. I can't hint any stronger than that. Amen. You are blessed. You are blessed. We are too. Amen. All right. Sister D, testify. Thank God. She has literally been on the front lines of this um, pandemic. She's given uh, tests. Um, in fact, she gave me a test early on, poked the back of my brain, and she seemed to enjoy it. I've had two COVID tests during this. Um, one was early on just because I'd been exposed and I didn't want to bring it to church. And then uh, just a few weeks ago when I had that chest thing, I wanted to make sure I hadn't exposed anybody. And so I went and she didn't give me that one, but she works there. So Dee works there. And so the lady that came out said, I, I heard I'm supposed to give you a really good swab. I said, don't listen to her. And then she gave me a shot 
uh, not too long ago. So she just she just really enjoys some of that stuff a little bit too much. Amen. Sister Alot, God bless you. You got a testimony. Yes, yes, yes. What, what an example Sister Aylott has been through all of this, losing her husband, and uh, just, uh, you're so steady, you're so, you're so solid, and that means a lot to us that are able to watch you, and praying. we've prayed for you, of course, and we've tried to be there for you, of course, but to watch people just never miss a beat, just trusting in the Lord. When some people say they trust in the Lord, and then... But it's another thing to show that. And we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit tonight. Sister Vest, God bless you. I told your testimony a little bit, yes. <laughs> We're glad God brought you through all of that. Amen. We're glad you're still with us. Thank the Lord. You don't have the dog as a beneficiary to a life insurance policy, do you? He might know that. <laughs> I was going to say, you might not want to tell the dog he's uh, tripping you. So, um, anybody else? Anybody else have testimony? Tonight? All right. Yes.
Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise God. It is a blessing uh, to see how the Lord moves in your lives. And isn't it nice sometimes to look around and see how God blesses other people too? And you, so then when you go through something, you can say, well, if God did that for Jerry, if God did that for Sister Alot, if he did that for Sister Vest, if he did that for Sister D, he'd do that for me. And it, we encourage one another with our testimonies. We edify one another with the words uh, of our testimony. Amen. I really had a good thought. Yes, Brother Decker, testify while I get my good thought back. Amen, Brother Deckard. I agree with that 100%. It's interesting, at the end of the book of Job, uh, Job makes this very interesting statement to the Lord. He says, "I've, I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear. But he said, after his trial, and think of that, after his trial was losing everything and everyone except his wife, and even his wife, kind of gave up on him and, and said, just curse God and die. His friends uh, accused him. Then he lost his health. His, the, the, uh, his body was, he was covered with boils. And, 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 and God brought him through all of that. The Bible says he never charged God foolishly. In, in other words, he never, he never questioned God. Uh, he, never, he never cursed the Lord. If you read that, if you read the book of Job, you'll see that when uh, when Satan appears before the Lord, and the Lord says, actually, there's two times where the Lord says, "Have you considered my servant Job?" The first time is in chapter one, and this is when all the sons of God have come and they present themselves before the Lord. Assume, uh, presumably, they've come uh, just routinely to give a report before 
God Almighty. And uh, he and Satan comes, and the Lord says, "Where have you been?" He says, "I've been roaming to and fro in the earth." And he and that's the first first time he says, "Have you considered my servant Job?" That he is perfect and upright. He eschews evil. He does that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And and uh, Satan ch- challenges God and says, "Well, if you he serves you, he trusts you because his life is good." Everything is good. I mean, who wouldn't love the Lord having all the wealth that Job has? He's a healthy man. He's a wealthy man. His family's all well. But you let me touch his, his estate, in other words, and, and then we'll see. And, and this is what Satan said. He said, he will curse you to your face. And God, I don't understand everything in the book of Job, and I don't presume to understand all the ways of God, of course. None of us do. But God allows Satan to tempt, to test Job. And he says, you can touch him, but don't touch, you, you can touch his life, but don't touch his body. And Job, and, and the next thing we see about Job, he loses all of his wealth. It's gone, just like that in one day. His cattle, his, his oxen, his uh, everything. Just one report after the other. They've been killed, they've been stolen, they've been destroyed. And then his family, his children are all killed. And in chapter 1, we read this in just a few verses, in chapter 1 where the Bible says when he received all of these reports, he shaves his head, it's a sign of mourning, rents his mantle, a sign of sorrow and mourning, and he falls to the ground. And the Bible says instead of cursing God, which is what the devil said would happen, he worshipped God. Now there was something down in the heart of Job before the trials ever came, Brother Deckard, he knew God. And, and, and if you think about that, he knew God, but he still, he, it wasn't as deep as it was going to be. He knew God well enough that he would maintain, retain his integrity. Integrity means he, he was whole, his wholeness, his, 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 his steadfastness with God. So <clears throat> the Bible repeatedly says he retained his integrity. Um, and then, so, he, so then, that's in chapter 1. So then, here comes chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he's lost everything, but he's still a healthy man. In chapter 2, here come the sons of God. Again, another day to present themselves to the Lord. And Satan also appeared. And God says a second time to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? By the way, let's talk about Job. You, brought, you, you said he would curse me to my face. And here you've affected his whole life and he has retained his integrity. And Satan makes another charge. He says, okay, any man, he says skin for skin, any man who has his health, any man will not curse you. Any man will serve you. But let me touch him. Let me lay my hand on him and he will curse you to your face. And God once again opens the door just a little more and he says, you may touch his body, but you may not take his life. And that's when we read that Job is smitten from, the, from head to toe with terrible open boils. Has anybody ever had a boil? If you've had a boil, it hurts. And Job had a whole body full 
of boils that all he could do to get relief the bible says he took some really just a piece of glass and he scraped his body i don't understand uh how painful that could be but he scraped his body just to get some relief his friends came to comfort him and when they saw his condition the bible says they just sat there for days just staring at him they had no words And yet God was able to say of Job, he retained his integrity. And, 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 and then in that condition, in comes Job's wife to say, oh my, Job, why don't you just, just curse God, get it over with, and die in this thing, in this thing. And Job said, oh, you speak like one of the foolish women. You speak like somebody who doesn't know God. He says, uh, will we not receive good things from God, but will we not also receive bad things sometimes from God? I mean, God gives. We sang it tonight. God gives and he takes away. God is God. God is sovereign. God is. God knows the end from the beginning. God sees all things. We see just a minuscule piece of the picture, but God created the whole picture. And so if we base our thanksgiving, if we base our praise on just what we're going through today, then we will. We will be very much like the thermometer. We're up and down. We just, we're, going, we're just reacting to whatever the climate is today. We'll curse God one day. We'll bless God the next. But those who really know about God and understand God. And in and, 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 and all of that, the Bible says, Job retained his steadfastness, his integrity. He never charged God foolishly. He never shook his fist at heaven. He never cursed God. He could have but he didn't. And then, Brother Decker, we get to the end of the book of Job. After all of that, this, this is when Job says to the Lord, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear. All of the things he went through, he, he went through it just by having a head knowledge. What he had read, what he had heard, what he knew of God. That's pretty powerful. But he said, now, now, what is now? Now, after I've gone through the valley, after I've gone through the test, after I've lost everything, after I've been sick so badly I felt like dying, after I cursed the very day that I was born, after I had wished I had never been born, after I heard my friends accuse me, after I heard my wife give up on me, after everyone misunderstood me, after I scraped my body with glass, after I heard one report after the other that all that I ever cared about was taken from me, after all of this, he says, I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear. But now, he said, now my eye seeth thee. Now I see you. Now some things are cleared up. Job's an interesting study. Um, Job, he said, he, another thing Job said. He said, he said uh, early in my life, he said, before the test, before the trial, he said, um, I thought, he said, I thought I would die in my nest. He made that statement. I thought I would die in my nest. It's an interesting uh, claim. 
his nest. What is his nest? His nest is his, his estate, his gather, what he's gathered. Birds gather and they make themselves a nest. It's a safe place. It's a warm place. It's where they will, they will hatch their young and raise their young and everything they accomplish for a bird anyway. It'll happen in the nest. It's, it's where they are safe. He said, I had made my nest and I was gathering for my nest and I was growing in my nest and I was, I was producing in my nest. I was flourishing in my nest. He said, I really I thought I would gather and I would die warm and full in my nest in my nest but God has a way sometimes of coming along and just stirring up your nest when all Job had was a hearing knowledge I heard of you by the hearing of my ear he was nesting up but when when God stirred up his nest he disrupted his life all of a sudden, he says, now I'm able to see you. Uh, you hit it on the head, Brother Decker. We, we come through things. We don't understand. But we come through things, and we know him on a new level. We understand things we didn't understand before. We see things we didn't see before. Things that don't kill you will literally open your eyes in ways that should have killed you but didn't kill you, could have taken you out but didn't take you out, your eyes will be open. Don't ever think that God is allowing you to go through anything in this life to hurt you. It's all there to help you, to grow you, to make you stronger. There are things that I faced this week that had I not faced things that I faced a year ago, I wouldn't be able to face the things I'm facing today. And I will face things next year that had I not gone through the things I've gone through this year, I wouldn't, I would, it would kill me next year. God knows what to bring us through. He brings us through things that make us stronger, better. I heard of you, but now I see you. I heard of you, but now I know you. Amen. And now that my eyes are open, I want to walk more clearly. It's not about my nest. It's about your glory. It's not about what I gather. It's not about how much I die with. It's not about what's on my books. It's not about how much money I have. It's not about how wealthy I am or healthy I am. God, everything that I do is for your glory. I didn't understand that a year ago, but now my eye sees you. Now I've got an understanding I did not have before. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap? If God's ever brought you through some things... You didn't want to go through it at the time, but you're glad you made it through. Somebody said amen. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving for, for those of us of faith, for those of us who, who walk with God. It's not just a day on a calendar. I'm glad it's on the calendar. I am. I'm glad we've got a day of Thanksgiving, and I'm glad that our, I don't know, I guess uh, our forefathers at some point in history recognized that it was good to have a day where we just stopped and paused and count our blessings. But for those of us who understand the blessings of the Lord, it's not a day on the calendar. It's, it's rather, it's a, it really is a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a thankful heart. And we don't just turn it on in November, the third Thursday or whatever it is of November. We, we, we live in a state of thanksgiving. I've always said we should have thanks living, not thanksgiving. It should be a way of life for the Christian. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
Think of that. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise, everybody say continually. Continually be in my mouth. Ephesians 5, let me just give you a few scriptures here. Ephesians 5, 18. Paul says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how, how are you doing with that? I'm, these are things I need to work on a little bit, I think. Having a thankful heart. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, Paul says. Think of that, in everything give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. In this, yes, even in this. Philippians 4.10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein, he says, you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Paul says, I'm glad you, he's saying to the Philippians, I'm glad you're able to give your offerings again and give me an offering when I come through. He said, I know you couldn't there for a while, but I don't want you to misunderstand in verse 11. It's not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. In other words, he's saying, I'm not saying this so you'll feel sorry for me. I'm not saying this so you think that I'm needy. No. He said, I, he said, I have learned... Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Everybody say, I've learned. Get this, I have learned. This does not come natural to us. We are not born with this innate um, sense of just whatever state we're in to be content. Contentment is not just human nature. Um, few, few, very few of our children are really content. By nature. Uh, they want, they want, they want. Um, and um, they want, if they, if, if they don't have it, they want it. And if they get it, they want something better. And they, it, it's something we have to learn contentment. Are you with me? Paul said, I've learned this. I've learned that whatever state I am in, they're with to be content. Now, this is what this looks like. He said, I know how to, how to be abased. In other words, I know how to be low, and I know how to abound. I know how to have plenty. And, and, and he said, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed. I've learned this. I've, I've received instruction as to how to do this. In everything, whatever state I'm in, in, in all things, wherever I am, I'm instructed to both be full and to be hungry. I know how. I've learned. I, I can be thankful when I'm full. I know how to act. I don't brag about it. I'm just thankful. And when I'm hungry, I know how to act. I know how to be. I don't complain about it. Both to abound and to suffer need. I know. He said, I've learned. I know how to go through these things. Now, I'll tell you, being full is a lot more fun than being hungry. And... <laughs> Abounding is a lot more fun than being abased. But Paul says, I don't respond. I'm not reactionary. Whatever life deals me, that's not what dictates my attitude. And that's where we get the scripture, by the way. We pull it out of thin air and use it out of context. But this is the context where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He's really talking about our attitudes. 
This is not, this is not really, we, we, we use it and it will apply, but this doesn't mean I can pray and God will do all things. I can do all things. I can defeat all the enemies. That's not really the context of this scripture. That's in the Bible. But in Paul's scripture, in, this, in his words here, what he's really saying is what, wherever I am, if I'm up, I can do that through Christ. But if I'm down, I can do this through Christ. I want you to remember that. Next time you're going through a trial or a test, it's hard, it's rough. Just remember, if Paul can do it, I can do it. I can do this. Through Christ, I can do this. My cupboards are empty. My cabinets are bare. I don't, have, I don't know where my next meal's coming from. I don't know if I'll have a job six months from now. I don't know. But I can do this thing through Christ who strengthens me. I won't waver. I won't. I'm not, I'm not going to come to church when I have enough and then stay home when I don't. I'm not going to praise the Lord and sing the songs of Zion when things are good. Some people, you can tell how things are going in their life. All you got to do is glance at their face. Paul wasn't that way. I'm, I'm trying not to be that way. I'm working on that. I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm trying that when I'm going through a test in a valley, not to wear it here. Not to wear it here. I don't want to get in the pulpit and going through trials and tests and get up here and whine and complain. I'm supposed to inspire you. How do I inspire you if I'm so reactionary that when I'm going through valleys, and if you think pastors don't ever have a valley, you're mistaken. But I can't get up here when I'm going through valleys and bring everybody down into the valley with me. I'm encouraged to know that whatever I'm going through, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ. So when I'm going through a valley, you'll be hard-pressed to know it because I'm going to come to church and I'm going to worship God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength just like I did last week when I was on the mountaintop. Amen. I'm not going to snap people's heads off. I'm not going to frown at people. I'm not going to give them... A, the cold shoulder, I'm not going to act all stressed out because I've learned this. This is not natural for me. My natural state is to be, when I'm stressed out, to be grumpy. That's what I gravitate to. And don't judge me too harshly because most of you do too. Most of you don't just have a natural inclination when things are going really stressful to just come in and say, yeah, praise the Lord, everybody. You want to come in and you hope nobody gets on your nerves tonight. Amen? So you learn, you learn, you learn how to be nice to people even when it, you don't feel like being nice to people. You learn to smile even when you don't feel like smiling because God is good all the time. Life isn't good all the time, but God is good all the time. Circumstances might fluctuate, but God is good. So God can give and I'll rejoice. God will take away and I'll rejoice. And blessed be the name of the Lord. On the good days, Brother Southern, I'm going to rejoice. And on the bad days, Brother Bunch, I'm going to rejoice too. I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Everybody say content. I need to talk to you about this word. Content. Contentment. Because one of the, one of the, one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, in my opinion, is to breed discontentment in the hearts of Christians. Discontentment that yields 
unthankful hearts, discontentment. It yields unthankful hearts, and unthankful hearts will kill your praise. And a lack of praise will, will, will render us with a lack of presence of the Spirit. Because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So if the devil wants to rob you of being in the presence of the Lord on a routine basis, he will try to rob you of your praise. Discontentment. Discontentment. It breeds a few things. First of all, discontentment will breed, rather than his praise continually being in your mouth when you're discontent, you'll complain. Anybody know any complainers? Point them out, would you? Just point right now. I want to know who I'm preaching to. Don't do it. I'm kidding. The truth is we probably know who you are. <laughs> we just complain. And don't we have a lot of things we could complain about tonight? Amen. Anybody like the price of gas right now? If you're discontent... Now listen, I'm not talking about that you have to be happy that gasoline is three fifty a gallon. I don't mean you stand there and say, oh, hallelujah, it was only a dollar something a few years ago. Now. No, I don't. that's not what the Bible means. But contentment is a state of mind and a state of heart. It, you carry it with you. I'm content in my heart if gas is a dollar a gallon or four dollars a gallon. And it's because I have contentment in my heart and I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, Brother Worthen. I can pump gas a dollar a gallon with a smile and I can pump gas at four dollars a gallon with a smile. This is the gas pump, okay? I've never been asked to be on the drama team. wonder why. Uh... So I can choose. I can choose to sit there. I can look at the other people. If you ever get gas at Sam's Club, man, there are people. You have to stay, sit in line to get gas at Sam's Club. And when you get out of your car, you got somebody here you could talk to, down here you could talk to. So, man, what a great time to say, can you believe we're paying him for gas? Did you ever think we'd be paying this again for gas? Just bring everybody down. Why not? Everybody likes a good complaint uh, session. Or I could sit here and say, you know, God, I'm thankful I've got a car to put $4 a gallon worth, you know, gas in. <laughs> I'm not thankful gas is three fifty a gallon, but I'm thankful I've got a car to pump gas in. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I go to the store, and uh, you think I'm thankful that prices are shooting up? So you go, if, if you still go to a store where there's somebody actually... We could complain about that too. They don't even have cashiers anymore. We can complain. We got all kinds of come on. We got all kinds of things we can complain about. Got to check myself out. Stop. You're a Christian. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Amen. Be thankful that all you got to do is this. Beep. Because if we had to check ourselves out 50 years ago, you'd have to go, yeah, beep, 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 for one item. And all I had to do today at Walmart was go, beep. I did end up paying twice for bananas, Cindy. If you look at the receipt, 
because I was so, I just, I accidentally, they rang up twice. I didn't want to wait 10 minutes for the guy to come. It was $2, and I thought, you know, good old Walmart can use an extra $2, I'm sure. But all I had to do was speak. I'm thankful. You can gripe about technology if you want to. Some of y'all that gripe about technology, it's because you didn't live before technology. So I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful, I, I'm not thankful that, I'm not thankful that, that prices are going up. I'm not thankful we're paying 8% more or whatever we are for turkey this year and, and yams and all that. I'm not thankful for that. But man, I'm thankful that I can go reach on a shelf, put it in my cart, and a cart with wheels on it, roll it up to a scanner, and beep, and reach in my pocket and pay for the food. I'm thankful for that. But the, 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 see, the world's in this state of mind right now. We're just going to complain. And it, we're so polarized. One side complains about the other side, and the other side complains about the other side. And if we're not careful, the church, we get, we get all pulled into that little whirlwind of complaining. But we're called above that. Amen. You should not be the one giving the waitress a hard time. You should not be the one giving that little worker there at Walmart the hard time. You shouldn't be the one griping at everybody about gas prices being too high. We've been called above this. We're the church of the living God. So the reason we do it is because we're discontent. If we're not content, we complain. God, help us not to be complainers. Measure your words. Monitor yourself, because I'm going to tell you, not very many people are comfortable coming to you and saying, D, you're a real complainer, you know. you got to monitor yourself, but you can do it. Now, if you have somebody in your life that you trust and is honest and you can go to them, and I, I'm thankful I have, I'm married to somebody that I can ask her, if you, ever, if you see me get negative, let me know. I don't want to be negative, you know, but not all of us have that luxury, so we have to monitor ourselves. So don't get on Facebook. I will tell you this. I'm so proud. I really am. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of you people. Most of you, if you're on Facebook, I'm friends with you on Facebook. And uh, other than the people that uh, fall for all the clickbait stuff, and I have to see that pop up on my news feed, that just, that's just annoying. It's not sinful. Other than those of you that, that you, let me, let me preach on this a minute. Don't let me lose my place, okay? I'm talking about how proud I am of them, but I want to gripe at them for just a minute first. Uh, when, 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 when you see a meme that says, type a man and you'll be rich, that's, <laughs> can I just ask, please don't do that. That's just like going to Vegas and rolling the dice. It's superstition. And by the way, I see some of you do it. You've done it like every day for three years. And I haven't seen your tithe check yet come in. So I assume it's not working for you. It's called superstition. And we don't do superstition as Christians. Okay? We pray. We trust the Lord. And you're not going to get rich because you said amen unto a meme. If you love Jesus, you won't scroll past this. You'll say amen. That's foolishness. Jesus isn't sitting watching you saying, do you love me, Caleb? You better say amen. Oh, he scrolled past me. Okay, I just wanted to say that because it bugs me. 
Okay, so, and some of y'all that fall for all that stuff, you're the same ones getting, uh, you're getting um, uh, hacked all the time. When they ask you, what, what was your mom's maiden name, and what, where did you live when you were a kid, and you're giving them all this information, and then you wonder why they, you get hacked every other week. Stop doing that, Garen. <laughs> Do you know your mom's maiden name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, don't put it out on the internet right now. We're live streaming. Jones. It was Jones. Anyhow. Now, I will say this. I, I'm proud. I really am proud of the fact that we don't, other than that, <laughs> I'm proud that we don't, we don't have a bunch of people get on uh, Facebook and just uh, whine about the country and, and get all into the political arguments that are on there. Let me just tell you something. That, you will not win anybody putting down the president, putting down liberals. You will not, ha you will not win a soul, and, and, and you will not change one person's mind doing that. Most of your friends know that you don't believe in abortion. Most of your friends know that you don't, you know, you, you don't, that you, that you don't believe in all the woke st stuff and the openness of the homosexual. We, they know that about you. They know that without us getting on there and taking shots at the other side, it makes us look small. Is that okay? Stay out of that junk. And for the most part, I think we do pretty good at that. At turning point, I think we do pretty good at that. And I'm proud of you for that. But if you're not content in the Lord, you complain. You just become negative. Negative. Everything's negative. You're always griping about this and griping about that. Complainers. That's the first thing that discontentment does. Or I should say it's one of the things. I don't know if it's the first thing, but it's one of the things that will happen. You just become complaining this stupid car, this stupid house, this stupid job. You're discontent, not because of a bad car, a bad job, a bad house. You're discontent in your heart because you haven't learned in whatever condition, whatever state you are to be content. The second thing that discontentment breeds is envy. And I will say jealousy because we use those terms interchangeably a lot. It'll cause us to look at what other people have. And we'll... we'll We'll get, we get mad at other people because they're getting something we wish we had. Why do they get that house? Why do they get that job? Why do they have that car? Why is their family being blessed? Why do they? Why, why, why? Why do they have all that? How come? How come? And we envy. We get jealous. Jealousy is ugly, and it's especially ugly in the church. So you're not jealous. You're not jealous because somebody's doing, uh, uh, apparently doing better than you. You're, you're jealous because you're discontent in your heart. And if I'm content in my heart, I can watch the Lord bless somebody else and rejoice with them that rejoice. The third thing it will do is it will cause you to seek your own. Discontentment will cause you to be greedy. So when you're not content with what God has blessed you with, you're always trying to find ways to get, to get, to get, to get. How can I get? get it and you're always thinking about those things you become materialistic you become very um, worldly minded I don't mean worldly in the sense of lust and those kind of things but worldly in the sense of Jesus said not to lay up your treasures on earth but to lay up your treasures in heaven and when we're discontent we tend to think more in earthly terms worldly terms we want more stuff nothing wrong with stuff by the way nothing wrong with having stuff 
But if you're discontent with life, you will set your attention over on gaining those things, and it will eventually push out God. Job lost everything, and he fell, he fell down and worshipped. It wasn't based on stuff. Amen. You with me tonight? Paul and Silas, beaten, thrown in jail. What they do? Prayed and sang praises to the Lord. Wasn't Paul the one who wrote those words? In everything, give thanks. Amen. Wow, I am so thankful for this church. I am thankful for this church. Um, I walked in here Friday night, uh, time to start, 7.30, 7 o'clock rather. Walked in at 7 o'clock, and um, we, I walked from the back to the front, and I mean the minute I walked in the door back there, I felt, felt the Holy Ghost, and I saw people in the church worshiping God and praising God, ready to have revival. You are a great church. You are a great bunch of people. Let me just tell you, you are. And I'm, I am just thankful to be your pastor. I'm thankful to be, if I wasn't your pastor, I'd still come to church here with you. Amen. This is a great church. I'm thankful for um, our team that um, helps us with church services, I want to say I'm thankful for our singers and our musicians. Did they not do a great job? Just how anointed are they? And I mean, they worked, they prepared, they practiced. Amen. And I'm thankful for our singers. I'm thankful for our uh, media technicians and our sound technicians and our live stream technicians. These are people, they were here for every service early get here early they stay late they're here when the before they're, they're here on off nights they're getting ready they're practicing they're rehearsing they're getting everything in order and ready to go i'm thankful for our greeters and our ushers aren't you th don't we have the best hospitality team i think we do in the world every night they were here i'm thankful for our children's ministry team uh, that we have children who love to worship God. They're learning that, by the way, here at church. And I don't know about you, but man, I felt I thought it was pretty awesome that we ended our revival with a, with a platform full of kids up here worshiping and jumping and dancing and praising the Lord. Amen. I'm proud of our, our children's ministry. I'm proud of our children. I'm proud of our youth department. I'm thankful for our youth team. Thankful for our youth pastor and his wife. I'm thankful for our hyphen pastor and his wife. I'm thankful for their team. I'm thankful for our teachers. I'm thankful for all the people. I'm thankful. Sister Michelle, we're thankful for you. I didn't even have to give any thought to the building being, being uh, ready to go and clean and not being uh, a wreck and dirty. And, and that means a lot to a pastor. I don't even have to think about it. She's always, if I do think about it and I text her maybe once in a while, I'll say, hey, I didn't mention this to you. And she's, I'm already on that. You know I've got that taken care of. And I always do. And I appreciate that. So much goes into just having a service that we don't always think about. But I'm thankful because I can remember, I stand up here humbled when I see, uh, when I see all this just going, just taking place. Because I remember... Wasn't very long ago. We didn't have we didn't have singers, didn't have musicians that we had to schedule. How you know who's going to play the drums tonight? Who's going to play the bass tonight? It was God. Please send us a, a bass player. You know, we just I just wanted somebody to play the bass. And Lord, you know, we just need we need some more singers. And here we are now. We're scheduling singers in rotations. Here we are now with 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 having to think about are we going to have enough chairs for everybody during the revival? We're very blessed. 
We are very blessed, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful to uh, have such a wonderful, wonderful um, partner in this walk with the Lord. Somebody who, who walks beside me, who serves with me, who loves this church so much. She loves you so much, prays for you every day. And, I, it's, you know, a, a good, a, a, let me say it this way, a woman can make or break a preacher. It can make or break, a, a pastor's wife can make or break a church sometimes, and I've seen that happen. And so you ought to thank God too, and I know you do, for a good pastor's wife. I'm thankful for this church. I really am. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that I have my health. I'm thankful that I'm able to get up here tonight and preach the word of God. I'm thankful that I know that if I die tonight, I'm going on to heaven. I'm thankful to know that when the rapture takes place, I'm getting out of this world. Thankful to know that even though I've not been a perfect man, that when I repent of my sins, he forgives me of my sins. Aren't you thankful for the Don't we have something to be thankful for? Jump to your feet. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Lord, we're thankful tonight. We want you to know we're not going to complain. We're going to, whatever state we are in, we're going to be content. We will not envy. We will not complain. We will not seek our own. But we are thankful. Amen. We are thankful. So, I challenge you. Don't complain. Just be thankful. Don't complain about your job. Somebody, somebody would love to have your job. Don't complain about your car. There's somebody would love to have your car. Amen. Don't complain about the house you live in. Somebody would love to be in the house you live in. Amen. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a great week and a, happy, and a uh, great Thanksgiving and you're able to gather and get together with people and it just feels nice to kind of get back to some normalcy, doesn't it, in life? We, um, we're so thankful to see Sister Langley here uh, Sunday afternoon. Some of you may not have seen her. She was sitting there in the back, and she got to come to the second service, and she is so excited to be back in church. So she's going to be able to come at least once a week. If there's anybody who can help uh, give her a ride, um, uh, her family has, a, has been able to put her in a an assisted living, but it's over on the east side of town. It's actually out close to the mall. So my wife picked her up this week, but if anybody would be willing to kind of help join in that rotation and just pick her up, all you got to do is pull up and she'll hop in the car and you may have to help her with her walker. But other than that, you don't have to go in and check her out or anything like that. Um, I know she would appreciate that. And if you can just stop by and see her, uh, what's it called? You can kill the live stream, by the way. What's it called? Redbud? Red Bud. Red Bud is the name. I know where it's at. I don't always remember what it's called. And she's right there on the first floor. But man, she is just doing so well. And God has just blessed her. She's just glad to be alive. Amen. I'm thankful for all of you that made it through this pandemic. Some of you were very sick. And uh, you're still here. We're thankful for that. Amen. God bless you. We love you. 